Welcome to the Portland Real Estate Podcast, Oregon and Southwest Washington's number one show for real estate news and information. Without further ado, here are your hosts and a couple of guys who as busy realtors and successful brokerage owners know a thing or two about real estate. Steve Nassar of Premier Property Group and Joe Fistolo of Soldera Properties. We have a wonderful guest with a beautiful background, and I'm talking about behind her, even though she's going to share with us her resume background here shortly. But I'll give you kind of the backstory. So I was at an event in December. It was a real producer's event. It was at a Renaissance home in Lake Oswego, not too far from here. And Dill Ward came up to me. We were talking and she was so gracious and so complimentary. She said, I listened to the podcast. I've really enjoyed it for many years. She even mentioned specifically, and, and it was kind of eye-opening for me because I hadn't heard it quite this way. She said, you know, you had Carolyn Hoti on a few years ago, which was, it was before COVID. That was like right before COVID. I think that was January of 2020. And she said, I, you know, I didn't really know her, but I got to, I felt like after the show, I really knew her because of the conversation and, and the interview. And I don't, did you, did you say you've in, interacted with her since, or you just now know her from afar, Dill? Yeah, I kind of knew her from afar, afar before, but like every time I would see her listings or just like see her name, I would just smile and be like, what a nice human being. You know, I think that getting to make this business any more human in any way possible is just always just better. So that's, it was so like, cool. Yeah. So we talked to, so Anyways, that's by the way, she said all the right things. So if you ever want to get on the podcast, here's a good way to do it. Compliments, flattery will get you everywhere, right? No. And so we said, well, you'd be a great interview on the podcast. And so what we talked about doing and we've been doing here lately and it's worked out really well is bringing, bringing new fresh faces on as you know, to get to know them, but also to help us dive into some of the hot topics going on in masters, right? So we are doing a best of masters, but we're going to kick it off, first of all, by introducing Dill, which you guys just heard her lovely voice. And so, and we're going to learn a little bit about you, Dill. So fire away. Tell us a little bit about you and your background. Yeah. Thank you so much. For anyone out there listening, I hope that I'm going to set the intention that me being present here today just puts one more pep in your step or gives you one little nugget of wisdom that that you didn't have before you listened to this. So I always like to set an intention with everything I do when it comes to being in front of an audience. So thank you again for having me. I've been a realtor about 14 years and I was originally a broker in Florida during the recession when the home values went down, you know, 70% <laughs> over three, three to five years. And every time you sat with a seller, you're like, sorry, it's worth 25,000 less. So all these little bumps in the roads of things we've experienced here in Oregon feel like just baby steps to me over here. But um, which city yeah. in Florida, Dill? Which city? Sarasota, Tampa area. Okay. Okay. Our, our previous co-host, Tucker Merrihew, is not that far from there. He's about two hours Naples, which is, a, I think, an hour or two south of there, right? So small world. I you, call you it, guys uh, yeah, the, places. the COVID reshuffle. Everyone has gone somewhere else. Like everyone yeah. has come from somewhere and someone's to, to somewhere yeah. else. That's, that's awesome. I do miss the beach. Yeah. Um, so you were there during the, the worst of times. When did you make your way out this way and why? 2010, by chance of coming to help my dad with 
he was at end of life and I'm an only child. So came to to be with him and quickly just fell in love with this weird city. Just had never really traveled that much outside of Florida. And so getting to the West Coast was like, whoa, this is this is some wild stuff over here. So what how long had your dad been here? Uh he'd been here like five years. He had he had flown the coop of Florida as well and kind of landed here in Portland. And gotcha. um I yeah, I just came with a round trip ticket, some sundresses and flip-flops in February and that was a not a great move. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. And did you immediately go right into real estate here and get just get licensed? And yeah, actually I was a broker in Florida and I I was I I saw that he wasn't gonna, I hate to say like wasn't gonna die right away. So I was like, well, I'm gonna be here for a little bit. And I just I I was an investor and I was like kind of just sniffing around looking for deals and just seeing what was, you know, you can't help but be curious. Real estate just in you. Like you can't even go on vacation without like wanting to look at real estate. So. Totally agree. Totally yeah, agree. Yeah, I literally yeah. I was sitting in the driveway of a of a property. It was like bank owned property, and I was sitting in the driveway, and this guy pulls up, and he's like, "Are you the realtor?" And I was like, "No, but are you interested in this property?" It just like a like a deal started coming together <laughs> in some weird random way of just sitting in a driveway, and then I thought, well, maybe while I'm here, I should just get a you know real estate license too. So it all just kind of like spawned into that kind of thing. Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. And I should also add it. It's hugely helpful to be a guest on our podcast when you are a big hitter like Dill. I, you know, looked up your stats. I mean, you're you're a 40 million a year give or take agent. So I mean, you're 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 doing some serious business in the I guess under 10 years or or around 10 years that you've been here. So talk to us about that. What what did you do to get going and and were you always at Living Room Realty? I started John L. Scott. And then I was five years at Urban Nest and living room since 2020. So oh, okay. So you're relatively new there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know two two years, but COVID years kind of don't count because I didn't even I didn't even see the office for a year. So uh-huh. but yeah. Thank you. I think this could be inspiring for anyone out there who's kind of getting started or restarted or restarted for like the fifth time. Networking, just networking, networking, networking. Like humans want to talk to other humans. Like there's always someone fresh off the boat who's new to our city or who is restarting their life or career. And you know, in the beginning, I didn't I didn't know anybody in this whole city. So I had to go person by person, you know, coffee date by coffee date. And with who? With Give who? us get specific. Get specific. I mean, friends, like oh, fear. So- well, I didn't have any friends over here. So, yeah. so, so get specific. Like who, yeah, yeah. who are you engaging okay. with? Is it open well, houses? Is, no, no, that was not my jam. I don't, okay. I don't, I'm not that great with strangers in that way, but no, like I would just go to Facebook groups or I would just go to, like, I'd see a flyer for anything, you know? And I was just like, Oh, there's a meeting. I would just go to a meeting and just start talking to people and then say, Hey, like want to get coffee. And I just always have curiosity. Like I always want to learn just people's story. And I'm sure that's half the reason you have the podcast, right? You just love to like get yeah. to interact with yeah. new people and, and see a take on how things operate in other people's brains and like what the scenarios are for them. And I just, so then in the beginning, the thing I decided was I want to be the most resourceful person anyone knows. Like I want them to think of me when they like the yellow pages of the, the world, right? So I literally have a box right here on my desk. It kind of reminds myself my, you know, 5,000 business cards I've collected. It's just like someone's like, hey, I'm looking for someone to walk my dog. I'm looking for someone to help my 
kid get tutoring in Spanish. Like I just wanted to know a person for everything. And the more I did that, the more everyone just kind of thought of me for, you know, come to me for a resource. And the next thing you know, we'd be talking about real estate, we'd be talking about life. And then I just kind of evolved into like, you know, pseudo life coaching and you can do it to, you know, to anyone. And that, that just spawned my career, literally just being helpful, being in service and being resourceful. You know, I really, I really think, I really think curiosity, what stems from that is be curious, always be learning. and, And we have to, this is something where you never hit your absolute quota of, I learned everything there is to learn. You should constantly be learning And the idea of being the one resource is fabulous. We've had Sarita Dua on the show once or twice, and she has made a business on, matter of fact, her website, I believe, is Ask Sarita, because it doesn't even have to be real estate related. Someone can say, we're looking for a new puppy. You know, I'm trying to sell my old car, just whatever. You're just looked at as a a resource, and I have to take my hat off to you because from being here for, you know, 10 years is a relatively short time. And then if you look at, you know, you've moved a couple times. So we had a few years of COVID, you're relatively new at the company you're at, and you're doing such a a fabulous book of business. But what's really interesting is in your getting to know people, you are getting very well known. I, I think you can say, hey, I heard this from from Dill Ward, and everybody will picture you in their mind because you have this magnetism about you. And one thing on the phone the other day, we were talking about you were doing the, I don't know what it was, like 90 days of positivity or whatever. Oh, the gratitude challenge for agents. Yeah, and, yeah the and gratitude, gratitude challenge. It's like, I think the takeaway is you wake up, Put on your shoes, you go out the door and everyone you encounter, you want them to leave a little happier or a little more motivated with a little more spring in their step. And that is so valuable as a person, as a realtor, as a member of this group, as a guest host on this podcast. That's terrific. So I'm really excited that you're with us and we can unpack some of these, the most talked about topics and threads over the last, I don't know, 45 days. You already have fans. Jennifer Florent has said, hi, Dill. Hi, Jen. <laughs> and Dill, I do have a couple quick more, couple more quick questions. Are you a Portland proper agent? Mostly. We all do the whole metro area, right? I get it. But, and we're not going to turn away business usually, especially listings across town. But is your, is your primary area Inner Portland? Yeah, I'd say inner Portland and the and the condos in the Pearl. I know every okay. building in the Pearl. My husband is also a realtor, so we've chronically moved nine times. And we just keep moving our little ecosphere with us as we explore where we want to live in the city. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we're, we're thrilled to have you. And your story is fantastic. And, and I, I just want to acknowledge that that is that is a great way to get going in the business and to stay in the business and maintain your business and I'll I'll even add that oftentimes when myself and my team members when we're calling our past clients to check in on a you know on a regular basis whether that's once a year a couple times a year that's a great thing to say in those check-ins is like hey just wanted to reach out 
there's anything you need, especially home related, right? I mean, now, you know, people could call me and if they need a dog walker, and I, I think I do have clients that are literally dog walkers, but home related, I mean, we we have such pull and so many resources within the the industry. So it's a great way to keep in touch with your clients, even beyond getting off the ground, right? So and just one little reminder. tiny thing I want to add. This is my special sauce and just my like humanity that I'm really pitching to everyone who will listen is that COVID has put us all through this tremendous pressure cooker. And even if you think you know someone, maybe there's an agent you did a deal with like five years ago and like you see their name and you're like, oh God, here we go. Like I'm trying to really encourage everyone to like see everybody with fresh eyes because we've all come out the other side of the pressure cooker, a little different of a human being, a little more humanity. Now, some of us may still be a polished turd, but like at the end of the day, like let's give everyone a fair chance to like re-reveal themselves to us and be like open to who they might be now. So true. It is crazy what COVID brought out of humanity. I've never seen anything like it before. Interesting. Well, let's get into some topics, Joe. What should we start with? I'm just reveling in the polished turd, actually. <laughs> I like that one. I like yeah, it a lot. With sparkles. Well, let's talk uh, about the market. Let's talk about the market. Let's kick off with that. Let's do it. I'll share it since it was actually your post. It uh, was my post. And I think I was, I think I, I finally just put to words what I think everyone was thinking. And I think the post validates that, right? Like, I think we were all going, what the heck? Go ahead, Joe. Share. It's it's a it's a great first post, I might add, because it seems like the second half of the year, it's been statistics, percentages of pending. We've had statistics of lenders out of the business and realtors dropping out in the December, January months. And where's our market going? And quite simply put, Steve wrote. Something has broken loose in the housing market since the first of the year. Everything is busy and going pending. Wow. Others feeling this too. And we got almost a hundred comments of support that we're getting multiple offers again. You know, if you price it right and stage it correctly, they sell. The key component is price it correctly. And that's what everyone's kind of struggling with with the sellers trying to keep on that fast appreciating trajectory and not curving it for what our market really is. But if your price hits that market value line, it doesn't take long at all before you're in contract. Jill, take it away. What are you feeling? Yeah, I love that post. Actually, I think energy begets energy. So when you put that out there and everyone was like, yeah, it's on fire. I think it like, kind of made me think, yeah, it's on fire. You need to go out there and get it, you know? So good on you. But I think Joe's spot on. Like, like I love how you just said that about sellers trying to push the appreciation versus just, you know, being more conservative. I think we need to be a tad bit more generous with each other to reveal just a little bit more of the hand on the pendings because that's like the truer, you know, knowledge rather than like something that sold two months ago. So I know we're all desperate for like, please tell me, like, did you get what you were asking? Oh, <laughs> right. Concessions and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Because a closed sale at 550 doesn't reflect, oh, there were 30 grand in closing costs and rate exactly. buy downs. You know, it's like we need to know. We're like on the side of the appraisers now begging realtors for knowledge. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do, um, do you give up that information when it's your listing and pending? I'm just curious. Depends how how close to the to the mark, right? Or if you think they're about to list something that's competitive to to what you have. But no, I I try to do my best. I ask, always ask the sellers like what they're comfortable with me sharing. But I try to be as helpful as possible, especially when I know that it's it's a fact finding mission to try to you know price something correctly. So yeah, the only caveat to that. I would say, Joe, is it's a great question, by the way. Great question. And I encourage our listeners and our audience to be a little bit more sharing with that. Usually, it's not going to hurt you. The exception to that is new construction. I do work with a couple builders. And if you have a home in a subdivision where there's other homes, you do need to be a little bit more tight-lipped about that, right? Because you don't want to hurt your comps. But if we're just going into a neighborhood and doing a spot transaction, one and done, without something right there behind it that you know of that could be affected by it, I, I, do, I don't see the the damage you can do. I don't think your sellers, most sellers aren't going to care. Like what, especially unless they have two rentals next to each other, why would they care what you share? So I do think, I think it's helpful to our industry. And I think it's something we should encourage, right? And if you feel the need to, to check with your seller, check with your seller. But I, I'd say 99.99% of the time, if you go, hey, do you mind? An agent was asking how much concessions or what we're pending at. Do you, do you mind if I, I share that with them? Now, you want to be careful if it hasn't closed yet, right? So there's there's a right way to do that. You could you know be a little bit more vague or depending on how, how many contingencies you're past, right? Your level of comfort could get a little bit more out there. But yeah, be careful with it. But I think it's an old school mentality that that you're. I'm not allowed to say anything, right? And yeah, great question. Well, you need to be convinced that the purposes are for pricing a different house. This broker doesn't have a potential buyer for your house. You're not giving up the goods if it's sold less than full price. You're trying to guide them so they comp the house. But, you know, it's interesting you you think on deeper levels and dill said something that you know if what if they're listing something in the neighborhood and it's great maybe your buyers back out during the inspection period and go buy that other house and your listing goes back on the market again i mean that's a possibility but i always try and be as helpful as i possibly can without breaching ethics or putting anyone in a bad position. And you can really tell the people that say, hey, I got a house, it's gonna be going live in, in three weeks. And sometimes they even tell you the address. And I, I like to share, but then again, I'm not the boss, right? The boss are my clients. They have to be comfortable with what we disclose to other people. And some sellers don't want you to give any information until it's done. But yeah, and, and that's why we have to ask. Yeah. And, and I like to be really curious, yeah. you know, ask, see, like he said, get the address, find out what you can find out. Like, oh, what's coming? You know, sometimes mm-hmm. it's a great time to like go on your own expedition of fact finding right back. So about a month ago, an agent texted me. She was really nice. She said, I'm about to list something near you. I see you're pending. Can, what can you tell me? We were closing, docs had gone out. We were closing like in two days. I just gave her the number. I go, we we were a little bit under. Here's our here's what it was at. So I, you know, I felt good on that one. Once it's closed, especially, right? Unless it's new construction, I there's not much damage you can do in that regards. Well, let me talk about a little bit about the, the activity in the market. So, first of all, last year was pretty bad. 
especially the latter part of the year. We did, you know, we talked about it on this show and and it really felt like it crescendoed around November where we were seeing RMLS data showing that pending sales were down 50% year over year, almost 50%. I think it was 47, 48% in the Portland metro area. That is a lot of less transactions year over year. Okay. That we all feel that that affects the entire, everybody, sellers, us, everybody. I will be completely honest with you. I was expecting more of the same coming into this year. I think we were all hunkered down. I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of bright spots in that. And we've talked about it on the show, you know, as far as getting market share and doesn't, you know, we don't have to feel the 50% drop, but we feel something, right? Even if it's last year, my team ended up doing about the same as we did in 2021. Now, at a glance, that sounds really good, right? But our goal was to go grow 50% from 2021. So you feel it in one way or another, right? But something did break loose. Now, I have an interesting thing, statistic to share with you that most of you now have seen. January 9th, RMLS put out the market action report for December and year over year pendings had gone up from November. So in December, we got market action for November and pending sales were almost down 50%. January, we got December's pending sales year over year. They were only 37% down. So it actually technically started improving slightly in December, but I don't know that we all felt it yet because it was December and it's the holidays and it's just, you know, there's distractions and it's slow and, or, you know, it just wasn't as readily obvious, but come January 1st, literally January 1st, we had an open house for a new construction model you know, we had a model home out in Beaverton. This was Saturday, New Year's Eve, I think. We were there, 10 parties through. Then that all of a sudden we were getting offers that weekend on other properties. And that week, it was probably within within a week or so of the new year, I was like, whoa, this is not your grandpa's market anymore, right? This is This is different. It was finally after about the eighth property went pending, including one. We have a listing in West Lynn on DeVries. It's either DeVries or I think it is DeVries, the, the way you pronounce it. Joe, that's your hood. You, yeah, you, you might. that's how but I we, say it. <laughs> yeah, we'd had it listed for seven or eight months, right? So it, it, it it's around one, 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 two. It finally got an offer. So good stuff just suddenly started happening. Mortgage rates are down a little bit. They had gone up into the mid sevens. Now they've flirted with the very low sixes. They didn't quite break into the fives. So that's that's definitely part of it. But I would just say, I it feels to me like people paused. They saw storm clouds come in. And, you know, back and, and at this point, we're, we're almost a year into this, right? Come up fast approaching a year into it when mortgage rates rose. I think we first did a podcast about rising mortgage rates with our power team, Joe, back in April. Yeah. Right. So we also predicted the absorption rate going from 0.6, which was December of 2021. We said that it would probably go to pre pandemic absorption rate, which it did. It's, I think it, Last I checked, it was like 2.6. And that could be a product of 
when you have very low inventory and when our market was hot, everything flies off the shelf. Well, now we're building inventory. It's harder to afford these same properties. Our absorption rate is 2.6. And so that is screwing up some of our statistics as well. What do you see, Dill? I kind of have a theory that everyone went on the vacation they couldn't go on for two years. Like they finally saw grandma. And I don't know if you heard or if you got stuck in the travel debacle of the end of December, but it seemed like everybody was delayed four days from coming home from wherever and real estate just kind of flatlined, right? Just like there was no activity. And then after January, you know, popped, it was like, okay, let's, let's get back to this. But I think all those factors kind of coincide at the same time. But a couple sunny days helped. That's for sure. A few sunny days that we got trickled in there definitely percolated people's interest in looking at property again. Yeah. And news travels fast. I've had buyer, I had a buyer reach out to me this week by email saying, hey, we, we, we're noticing that the market's picking up. So we want to get back out there. So it kind of builds on itself, right? And it's not local. I mean, I've 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 followed some some national articles. I mean, it's this is happening across the country, right? I I've used an analogy a few times here recently. And I used this, I, I might have used this analogy on the podcast in the early days of you know this back in early summer or late spring. I'm a golfer, right? And most people have their outdoor activities, right? Well, as a golfer, you know, we have long, wonderful summers with lots of great weather here in the Northwest. So if it's late October and you've had all summer to be out there, you know, regularly playing golf, when the storm clouds come in and the rain comes of November at some point, your first instinct is to go, okay, let me, let me stay inside, watch a movie. What's, what's, what's on Netflix? What's, you know, let me, let me do a puzzle. Let me, let me read a book, right? You do that day one then day two, then day three. Well, for me, a hardcore golfer, after about a week of that, you're like, I've got rain gear. I can go out there. And you start to get a little stir crazy, right? And it just feels a little bit to me like that has happened in the housing market, right? When the storm clouds came in and everybody was like, oh crap, rates are going up. Prices are probably coming down, which we all agree they have to some extent or another. The buyers tapped out. They're like, well, they they sat on their hands. They may have needed to move. They may have needed a bigger house. They may have needed to change locations. But they said, I don't need to do that today. I'm going to take a break. And maybe, just maybe, we're on day seven of that rainstorm and they're, they're coming out and they're going, okay, you know what? I've got my rain gear on. Rates are higher. I'm a little bit used to it and prices are down a little bit. I bet I can get a little bit better deal. And they're just, they're making it happen. So- I think it's the the very first sense of relief because when the rates were mid sevens, low sevens, everything they bid on had 15 offers and some of them went, you know, 175,000 over ask. They could finally put a W in the win column, right? The rates are still higher than they were a year or two years ago, but the inventory has quadrupled and I read this statistic and I don't know where I read it, but it was something about in November and December, 80% of all sellers, 80% of the sellers gave concessions on the sale of their property, either, you know, a 2-1 buy down or just a credit towards closing costs or something. So 
the buyers who aren't going into complete cocoon mode, waiting until the rates are back where they once were, they can go out there and have a reasonable shot at buying a place. So I think that's very positive. And for the sellers, usually these cycles are, you know, five to 10 year cycles. And to wait it out to get back to where we were in April of 2021, it's going to be a really long time. If you just say, hey, look, we're at the bottom at 2012. We appreciated fast and furiously for, for 10 years. We had a little correction. I'm going to sell my house and I'm going to capitalize on let's say nine years appreciation. It's still an amazing time to sell if you bought way back when. So I think it's the frame of mind of how you look at things. And we've talked on the show too, if buyers are waiting for the market to be visibly better, then you've missed the boat, right? Because if it's visibly better for you as a buyer, it's going to be visibly better for the other buyers. It's also going to be visibly better for the sellers. And now the likelihood that you're going to negotiate that amazing deal that you could have got before is probably not there, right? So so that's where it can kind of build on itself, right? All of a sudden, buyers are going, oh, crap, I thought this was going to be really bad for another six months or a year. And as they realize that that's not the case and they want to get out there and get the last of the good deals or, or what's left of a good deal out there. We have a question from one of our list, listeners. What are you doing to help combat all the top negative and totally false news regarding the real estate market? That's Chris Dyer. First of all, I would say, Chris, wait, because that I think some of that news is going to change. We are the industry insiders, right? We are on the front lines. The media is behind us. They are not selling houses. So I think what we can do is we can tell our clients if we're at an open house or if we're talking to sellers or if we're talking to buyers, we can say, sit tight, wait in the next 30 days, you're going to start to hear and see data that the market has picked up if, it, if it's not already trickling out there now. And by doing that, you show them that, hey, you know, we're on the cutting edge of this, not the media. I also, yeah. What do you guys think there? Yeah. I mean, you got to decide, like, if you're the source of information for your sphere and your clients and stuff, you you got to tell your own narrative. And I totally believe that we are running a short window of time where our VA and FHA and all these buyers that need tons of help cover closing costs. Like, like I remember when those people were like, I'm going to wait till the market cools down. Well, it's cooled down. You know, it's like, we kind of have to pick our own narrative and get on the high horse and start spouting it from the mountaintop. Yeah. One last thing I'll I'll say, I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday about this. I think too, those of us, and Dill, gosh, you, you may have seen the worst of this of any of us three, because you were in Florida in 2008 as a real estate agent. And Florida got hit way harder than us as one of the Sunbelt areas that had overbuilt way too much. So but nonetheless, I mean, Joe and I, I mean, going through 2008, like a lot of others in our industry, I think we have a little bit of PTSD. And I think we have this, we think whatever, whenever storm clouds come along in real estate, whether it was the early days of COVID or here in the last year, we have a tendency to think this is the big one as part of our PTSD 
But the reality is 2008 was a, it was probably a once in a generation, hopefully event, right? Kind of like the great depression. And these things do happen. There are ebbs and flows in markets and they don't always last four years and they don't always drop values, you know, 40%. And they don't always, you know, lock up the markets like 2008. That was a, that was a very unique situation. So I'm not sure if I'm calling an end to this crazy market we've been in for the last eight, nine months, but I, I think it's the end of it getting worse. So maybe this is a U-shaped situation where we were dropping and now we're just going to slog along the bottom and gradually get better. That would be still better than dropping continuously. And it makes sense because if in November, if pending sales were down 50% year over year, how much more could they drop? They're not going to drop. Never 70%. say that out loud, Steve. Never say that out loud. <laughs> no. You know, there's there's so much information swirling around out there. Before we had definitive answers, people are like, the real estate market is not correcting. It's not correcting. And the naysayers. And there's people out there promoting, you know, hey, it's a great market to both buy and sell, which it's never a great market to both buy and sell. If it's slightly weighted towards sellers as it was, it's maybe not necessarily the best time to buy and vice versa. But people are doing what they need to do to keep business coming in. And they talk about the rent versus buy calculator and, and all the advantages and marry the home and date the raid and you know all these cute cliches that you can say to get people to act. But the market's on a journey and it's going to do whatever it's going to do. And so to answer Chris's question, I just try and be as real as possible with people. And look, I don't have a crystal ball on my desk, but I try and be as real as I possibly can. And I guarantee you, there's going to be a hundred people on the internet that disagree with me, a hundred that think I'm brilliant and a hundred that have no idea if I'm right or not. So I think the way to get through this market is number one, master your craft. And if you haven't been doing it up until now, it's probably too late. You might be one of the statistics that's, you know- Talk working. about those statistics. Talk about those. Let's segue into that, that conversation, right? 40% okay. less loan officers renewing their license, Mark Alto. Yeah, so Mark, Mark Alto made a post and Mark is great for throwing out statistics. He loves numbers. And he can condense it into kind of a readable, understandable, digestible way. And on January 8th, he said 41% of licensed Oregon loan officers did not renew their licenses in 2023. That is imperative because it's not far away from the real estate market when you have PMAR dues of $680 that come due in January. You have your sentry lock dues, RMLS dues. The plight of the lender is sometimes synonymous with the plight of the realtor who isn't getting enough business to sustain. He said the nation, nationwide, the figure is closer to 40%. Expect to see more lenders close up shop, more mergers and acquisitions. This is the time that the big 800-pound gorilla swallows up the little guy. It's just, it's a product of capital. And then it's the shitty nature of the business when things slow down in lending. And 
we had him on our podcast too. And he had a little narrative of when refis are great and they're closing loans and, you know, making money hand over fist, they kind of forget about everybody else. But when the refi market dries up short of, you know, divorces, for example, they have to go back and like take realtors out to coffee and builders out to coffee and they have to start working again. And I see this trend and the numbers aren't out yet for the realtor attrition because we still have five days left for people to pay the dues. And that's kind of the big leveler. Yeah. Yeah. It's not surprising. $600 in due by the end of this month for every agent in PMAR or EMAR, I guess the same, it's the same amount. That's usually because if you were an agent last year and your business dried up and you had to go get a full-time job in June, you're still going to keep your license, generally speaking, with your company. Your dues are paid up for PMAR through January. There's no reason to do anything different. So it's not usually until probably February when those statistics come out of how many didn't renew that we'll see what has happened. I don't expect it to be as high as the mortgage industry. We've talked on the show a few times. I think the mortgage industry really felt this harder than we did as realtors because they had so many refis the year before that dropped 80 some percent year over year, I think. But I I think it could be 20%. I could, you know, 15, 25%. It'll be interesting. It'll be a great post to masters, Joe, when you figure out that number in the coming weeks. Yeah, I'm going to call Kurt at uh, RMLS and and get the statistics. He has he's a, such a wealth of information, and but I'm sure there's some attrition. And so, Dill, if if I'm a broker, I've been a broker for let's say four or five years, and I do three to five million dollars of closed sales a year. What advice would you give that broker? starting off in 2023 with our current market? The best advice I ever got from a coach was the market is between your ears. And I have always like thought back to myself, like even when the sky was falling and prices were just dropping every day and I was still doing business because there's still somebody that needs to move. There's still life circumstances. People are dying. People are getting divorced, job transfers. Like that doesn't end because of the economy. So if you're three, $5 million a year, like you just got to go work it, go look for it, go take coffees, go host events, get on live video, just go find the humans that need to move and don't give up because no matter what the world is telling us, we still have business to do. We are still very much needed. And what we need to bring is high energy and expertise and good strategy on how to help people. So that's great advice. That great is advice. great. It's a, it's a long version of seek out and work with highly motivated people. <clears throat> so besides master your craft, be great at what you do, work with those people that have the biggest need. And you know the positive side of death, divorce, and losing a job is there's people getting married, having babies, and getting promoted or transferred. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And those are the people that life doesn't stop for real estate. You can't always sell high and buy low. When you have a real estate need, you kind of get the market that you're in and make the best of it. And there there were people in 1984 that were 
buying houses at 18%. So just work with those people. That would be my advice, which I think you said something similar to that too. And and I would I would add have real estate conversations daily. Like stay in the keep your mind in the game. Don't check out. If you if you don't have a client today or you don't have something to do today, and I'm not advocating never take a vacation. That's not what I'm talking about. But if you don't get get on the phone, call people, go preview homes, research stuff on RMLS. Keep keep your brain in real estate because here's what's going to happen. You, somebody's going to reach out to you and ask you a question and you're not going to be caught flat-footed without your head in the game, right? The same applies to a market changing. I remember when COVID hit, we all went through that, right? When it first hit, we all thought real estate was dying on the vine and you know our business was dropping tremendously. And I remember, and, and this goes back to, Dill, what you said, how people reacted really crazily to COVID, including people in our business. I remember certain agents checking out of the business on, on social media, like on Facebook. I saw them talking about how they were they had no business they were talking some of them were griping about how they wanted you know their free cash from the government and they didn't qualify and all but what happened was all of a sudden the business started coming back and we all know how that story went it came back in a huge way probably the biggest boom of our lifetimes one of them anyway those people who hadn't kept their head in the game they were way late to the party when in in catching up and realizing that things were good again, right? And I wonder if some of that is happening right now, right? If people in November and October and September who thought, oh my gosh, the business is so slow and where am I going to get my next lead? And maybe I'll, you know, and they just get distracted away from the business. Are they catching this wave of activity in the same way. Absolutely not. So stay in the business, stay, keep your head in the game, keep having real estate conversations and, and stay in front of clients. And when that, when that next wave of business comes, you will be there ready to ride with it. And to, to add to that real quick, momentum is like everything, right? So here's a perfect example. I ran into a contractor somewhere and I just asked him, you know, how are you doing? How's things? And he's like, oh, business is so slow. There's nothing to do. Nobody, Nobody needs my help. And then literally later that day, I got a cold text message from a contractor who's like, hi, I see you're a realtor. If you have any needs to look at siding or anything window related exterior, here's my number. And like, just so happened, I was in the middle of a deal, like where I did need that. And I, I called him up. I'm like, thanks for calling. Who are you? And like, I just started betting him. And I mean, here's the point is like one guy sitting in the corner going, well, there's nothing to do. And another guy's like just throwing it out there going, ah, can anyone need me? I think there's a, a lesson here for us in our business is we can be sitting on the couch going, no one's calling about real estate, or we can be going out there and crafting opportunities and showing people how to put things together. And I think it's all in the energy and the momentum. So I love that. that. I love that. I love that. Yeah. The universe, it's some of this is just is physics law of, you know, the universe. It smiles fondly on positive activity, right? Part of that. And, and I think what you you said, I love what you said. It's in between your ears. That's where it starts, right? 
if you are putting yourself out there, if you're reaching out to people and you're trying to have real estate conversations and, and drum up business, when that business comes to at you, you're not surprised and you're ready for it. Whereas if you're out of the game and your head's out of it, when that opportunity does manifest itself, you're caught flat-footed. You're like, oh, I don't know how to talk about real estate right now. I'm I'm too busy complaining, right? Or I mean, you're just not in a you're not in a good headspace. So I love it. Great conversation and great advice. I you were gonna segue and and before you did, I wanted to to jump in, not on that topic, but on the segue. When you guys were little, did you ever play the game hot potato? Like yes. it's hot, you had to get rid of it, hold it for Catch a short it. time. Catch it. <laughs> so our our next topic is Amy Muncie is is always great at putting like streams of consciousness, mind bending posts. And this one is everything she thought of in 2023. She just threw it against the wall. And so this post is seriously comprises maybe 10 topics. And so I'm going to read the most important ones. Some of them are just kind of like her thoughts, but I'm going to read the most important ones and then we'll play a little hot potato, get your take on it. And then We'll just go through her whole post because it's lots of great stuff in here. So the first one is photos and floor plans, them being images, them being a part of RMLS and us getting little nasty grams from RMLS to remove all words from photos and not have diagrams. And what's your take on that? Can I talk about that? <laughs> sure. I didn't even, okay, first of all, you mentioned you're going to call Kurt from RMLS. Please bring this up to him, Joe. And I would encourage all of our listeners, please bring this up. RMLS has, I've been in contact with them by email about this. And they, they, I didn't even realize this was a rule. Now they have acknowledged that there's a, there is a process to change this rule. And I believe we all should band together and change this because I do not think this is correct. I did, So I did not realize this was a rule, but you cannot put words or text on any photos or images in RMLS. That is their official mantra. Now- Not necessarily. Well, there's a couple exceptions. There, are, I, I think virtual staging or something like that. It seems to me like, from what I'm understanding, for years and years, this was never policed or it, nothing occurred from it. Somehow they put some- artificial intelligence into place. All of a sudden, one of my listings got flagged a few weeks ago. And that's what, when I reached out to RMLS. And then that's also when a couple of these posts came up in masters. Okay. Generally speaking on our listings, we like to do drone shots, right? Have you guys ever seen one of those drone shots? I hate them, by the way. I'm going to give you the opposite of what we do. Have you ever seen those drone shots where it's a house and a subdivision and you just see this shot and it's a sea of houses and you don't know which one it is, which one is it? Right. I hate that. Right. To me, that's just, it it makes no, no sense. And so what we generally do and granted you could just put an arrow there. Okay. And I don't know if that's considered text or not, but maybe it's not, but we usually put the address there with an arrow. Okay. But we go a little step further. Hey, there's a new seasons just five blocks away and we'll put new seasons with an arrow or here's Lake Oswego High School nearby or here's I-5 nearby, right? Showing freeway access. 
to me, that is that is brilliant marketing. It's showing visually proximity to something that people want to be near, right? Yes, it's text, but we should be trusted to do that correctly, right? If RMLS trusts us to go into our houses and stage them and prep them so that the pretty pictures look pretty, then they should trust us to put words that aren't going to obscure or be ugly or brand ourselves, right? And by the way, make no mistake, if I was to put my name there, that would be flagged in a New York minute. We all know that, right? The anytime it's happened a couple times over the years where we accidentally put our branded video in, it usually within hours is flagged, okay? So I don't buy the argument from RMLS that we're doing it to protect the branding. We don't want any personal branding. This isn't about personal branding. They also, I think I think there's an argument they're saying that, well, what if it's a HUD violation? Well, okay, same thing, same thing. By the way, you trust us to put in the public comments. So if we wanted to put a HUD violation, couldn't we do it there? So why would we do it in the photos, right? Obviously, RMLS acknowledges there is value to putting text with photos because they allow us to label the rooms. Now, do we have every possible label there? No. Hence why it's valuable to be able to do this ourselves where it makes sense. Virtual staging is something where they ask that we label it. So clearly they're acknowledging there are circumstances where putting text on photos is needed. Why do you get to pick the circumstances and not us, right? What about new construction? We had we have a new construction property where it backs to a green space, and we also had a staged home, same floor plan, that wasn't on the green space. We took photos of the staged home, and we put similar to on those photos, but then we actually took some photos of the front of the home and some of the windows of the green space and said actual home. We wanted to differentiate, right? This is what it can look like with beautiful furniture. This is what it looks like with the green space that it's actually on. We frequently, almost always, will put as one of our last images, see virtual tour for 3D video, 3D tour, video, and more photos, right? So that the buyer who liked all the photos realizes, hey, there's more whether they're on Zillow, Redfin, or what other search site, they know how to go to the virtual tour and you're driving them there. So there's a lot of valid reasons to have text put in by on, with your photos, okay? Obviously, don't overdo it as an agent, right? Not every photo should have a paragraph or, or have words on it. But that's where, that's where we're trusted, not only by RMLS, but our clients, right? Because if if we're putting paragraphs on all of our photos and making them ugly, our clients are going to see that and they're not going to hire us to list our houses. Okay. So as you can tell, I'm a little fired up on this. My admonition is let's, hey, the, let's the game, all please. The game of hot the, potato is you're not supposed to be wearing oven mitts, Steve. <laughs> let's all advocate to RMLS. Please work with us here and let's change this rule because I don't know what their intended consequences were, but there are unintended ones, in my opinion. Do you guys have any thoughts on that one? Floor plans were also part of this, right? People were putting floor plans that said, you know, primary bedroom written on it. Well, the AI was picking up on that and kicking it out too. Bill, what do you think? 
Floor plans, man. Everybody wants them. Everyone's buying them from their couch and they need to be able to see how the room lays out. If they're going to let agents put pictures of light switches and toilets, they should let us be able to put where the new season is. Like, I'm just saying, yeah. I'm with yeah. you. I'm with you. Good. And Good. Plus, we're think... so self-regulated, right? Like, who's going to flag it? Other realtors. <laughs> yeah. yeah. On de- defense of RMLS from Amy's post, Beth Raymer, who is just a great person with RMLS, made a post on January 10th that if you're not familiar with it, you can look it up January 10th. And she said, you know, good morning, masters. I'd like to clarify some points that may have been causing some confusion or concern. And they have AI kind of combing through all the new listings and anything it identifies as a picture that's been manipulated with text, it flags it. And this is AI. This isn't the human person, right? And they just flag all of them. And it's like, hey, we have noticed that you have something. And she says specifically, to be clear, floor plans are still perfectly fine to upload, but by rule, they cannot contain additional text beyond like room names and such or any other personal promotion. If you read her whole explanation, I don't think they're really necessarily too bummed out about, hey, here's the market of choice and this is where the park is. They're really, they really just don't want personal promotion. And because AI is handling it, there's a lot of false positives. So if you're not promoting yourself and you're trying to give a picture to someone and the picture doesn't look junky with lots and lots of labels, I think you're going to be okay. But Jennifer Florent made an awesome comment here on on Master. She said, isn't that the same as virtual staging? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Putting fake furniture in the photos is okay, but text isn't. What a great, what a great point, right? Obviously, you know, you know, they're they're allowing us to alter photos. It's, you know, there are there is not every photo is obvious what you're looking at. And so there are valid times to put something in there as far as text. And it works really well. It's a good consumer experience. It really, truly is. Let's move on. Move on to the rest of the hot potato. Okay, so the next important one is when we interviewed Kurt from RMLS, they're going to be RMLS and part of our PMAR packet. They will pay for and provide an alternative to showing time, which showing time is owned by a real estate brokerage, Zillow. And they are gathering all of our statistics of showings and days on the market and price reductions. And we will have our own that is not owned by a competitor, potentially. And she's asking when that's due. And I'm not quite sure. I think I read the other day in the the comments, George Perkins said that they are doing a beta run. It is live now, but instead of all of us sharing all of the bugs, they're testing beta testing it with a select few. So that's all I seem to know. I, I would assume it'd roll out in a couple months. Do you guys have any deeper info on that? Okay. Energy score. Using Realtors marketing strategies as any determinant of the need for a score while ignoring zoning is silly. 
please don't be silly, she says. <laughs> to this day, I don't understand the home energy store score. Nobody gives it any credibility. You can guess if it's a large house and an older house and it has a big footprint, you can guess it's going to be, you know, right around a two or a three. If it's new and small, maybe it's it's a six. I don't think anyone gives it any accreditation or any merit whatsoever, the buyer will have their own full home inspection, sewer scope, if there is one, radon, if they choose, and all the other hosts of tests. What do you think about this home energy score? Do you do you think it's another thing we should require our sellers to do or us do? Some, some realtors pick it up and pay for it. What Bill, do you you're a Portland about? girl. You, 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 yeah, do, you say, deal with it more than we do. This is a sore spot for me because I sell a lot of teardowns. And I'm like, this is absolutely ridiculous to get a guy in here measuring the window and this house is coming down. And I was a I was an advocate of it when it first came out. I was part of the training of the, you know, watching all the people become home energy score certified. And I thought it would be a great idea. But now I've come to realize since I pay for every single one of them. Because I can't even get myself to like have an hour conversation about it to my seller so that they can get disgruntled more with our city, that it's just realtors funding data. Like, I'm sure that they're going to do something with all this data. But yes, on the consumer front, there has never been a single person who's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to totally make my purchase decision based on this and really want to know. I mean, the only thing I found value in it, honestly, is like, I will pull the report before I go see the house. And at least I'm like, oh, it's an electric water heater or a blah, blah, blah. And I have some idea of what the assets are there. So when I go, I can see how junky they are. I just, I'm kind of mad about it because I'm the one paying for all of them. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I, I agree with you. The funniest thing I ever heard about energy scores came from Tucker years ago when this first came out. He was flipping a house in Portland. It was an older home. He had an energy score done before he listed it and it got a one. And his comment, he did, he said this on one of our podcasts. He goes, so let me get this straight. Cause this is, this is between I think zero and 10 or, or, or maybe it's one and 10, but he's like, so a cardboard box with no lid on it is a zero and I'm a one. That's how close we are to that. Like, like he, he was he was he was making light of the fact that I mean how can this be a one how can there be a one for for a home like this so yeah I think the intentions are well with a lot like a lot of things with government but the actual execution of it just it it's not a meaningful you know indicator of what what actually is going on with homes let's keep moving Joe okay so paraphrasing we talked a little bit about a large percentage of the real estate community drops off in December and January because of the PMAR dues, $680. And and what she wrote here is, if PMAR would give us a more detailed itemized breakdown of what that money goes to and how it helps us and supports us, there would be a little less complaining. And they they sort of do. When you pay your dues, they'll say, hey, 250 goes to X. And 180 of it goes to Y. And they break it down maybe like three times, but she wants to know a little bit more about, you know, how it's helping and how it benefits us. And honestly, when it comes to, you know, dues and, and you know, politicians and gathering money and all kinds of stuff, 
I want to hold them honest. I think a little bit more explanation of where the money goes and knowing that it's spent appropriately and that there's a benefit. I agree because you take each person. When we had Kurt on, he said there were 16,000 people in RMLS at that time of that podcast. I know not all of them consider themselves realtors and I, and then you need to get the appraisers out of there. But the people who are realtors, I mean, do the math. Let's just say there's 12,000 that are realtors, $680 times 12,000 is a massive amount of money. If they itemize it a little better, we would feel good about where the money is being spent, or maybe we would get up in arms and demand that they channel more money into something positive for brokers. So I'm in absolute agreement with knowing exactly how the money's spent. What do you guys On the flip side, can it be devil's advocate on one thing to do with PMAR? If there wasn't that big PMAR due annually, a lot of agents who had no business would stick around the business forever. And when their mom or dad suddenly needs to sell three years later, they'd say, oh, I'm still an agent. Let, let me help you do that. And they'd try to power through it and they'd do a horrible job for them. And they'd take business away from a good agent like Dill or you or I, right? So there is value in that amount. I'm not advocating that it not go to good stuff, but I'm glad that there is you know, a barrier to entry once a year that does kind of force out the ones that probably shouldn't be in the business, right? Yeah. Like a relay marker. <laughs> yeah. Hey, move on to the next one. And let's tell our listeners the, the good news about our guest next month. Oh, I was going to dovetail that at the end. Well, no, it's Dear Oregon Realtors, the next okay. one in your... So the, the next one is Dear Oregon Realtors, thank you for all the training on the new forms. You kind of rock right now. And this is relevant. Steve, I'll let you announce it. So there's a lot of there is a lot of discussions about the fact that we're going to have two sets of forms, right? And we are going to and and there was recently posted to Masters a very interesting and eye-opening open letter, I would call it, from Phil Quarren. Quarren, maybe is the, the right way to say it, not in favor of the new forms, right? So Joe. Your suggestion was let's get somebody who's a strong advocate of this, who has been very involved in the new forms coming out on the show. And you suggested Jeff Wyron, who was president last year, who was front row pushing this through. He actually, Jeff told me two years ago, this was happening. He, He made me, he swore me to secrecy. And at the time I pushed back, I was like, why are we going to have two forms? That sounds terrible. Now, as I've said on this show before, I have nothing but respect for Jeff and other people at OAR, including Jenny Pecula and other really smart people who really do have our best interests at heart. And I know they wouldn't steer us down the wrong path. So we are going to have Jeff on next month. I've already, we've already scheduled it. He's going to be our guest and and he's going to explain to us the thought process behind the new forms, why it's going, why this is happening, how potentially we are going to see this change things. One question that I'm excited to ask Jeff is like in the future, six months from now, Dill's got a listing. I got a buyer. I use OREF. She, she uses the other or vice versa. 
do we need a form to figure out the forms? Like, how do we, does she pick? Do I pick? Do we text back and forth and, and debate? I mean, there's some serious questions to unpack here. So look for an upcoming episode where we're going to really dive deep into this and, and ask the tough questions that Phil Quarren was asking, right? Because he he was making the argument that it's illegal. We as agents aren't allowed to practice law. But if we are saying to our client, no, use this form, not that form, he's saying, aren't we practicing law by saying which one protects you better or or is better for your situation? So I'm excited for that show. We do practice law, though. I'm not an attorney, but I write legally binding contracts every day. It's a weird, it's a weird rule. It is a rule. It, it, I've never weird. understood it. I've never understood it, uh, uh, but it's technically the case, right? We're supposed to, apparently the rule says, we're supposed to say, what would you like to offer? Okay, let me put that here in this form. We're not supposed to ad- advise law. We're supposed to just grab details and put them into forms. But I don't think in practice, it always plays out that way. I was going to ask what what you thought, Dill, and ask if you also read someone posted an article about how it all came about. And it was Scott Taylor 25 years ago. We 25 years ago, we had three different sets of offers, like a PMAR and ORF and a something else. And he's like, the the liability is on us. We're practicing law when we shouldn't be. And, you know, what if we're picking forms when the seller could be asking, hey, what form is weighted more towards a seller or what's weighted more towards a buyer? And he was the advocate of one form. And I don't know if you read it, but I would love to hear your take on the new forms and what you think about them and where you think it's going to go. We all go back as far as like napkin contracts, you know, <laughs> so like they're and carbon copies and all the other crazy things. But you know, I think brokerages are going to take a stance on sort of what they want their agents to follow. But I guess what I'm a huge advocate of right now is as change is inevitable and will continue in perpetuity of always, we'll always be facing some new change. I feel like this is the fight over who calls escrow. I just think that if we could not fight about it and like not start transactions with that kind of energy, I would love it if there was a, a system in which we can sort of implore what what we're comfortable or willing. In the training that I took with the new forms, it was suggested that you put it in the listing, you know, we use these forms. And then if the buyer wants to use a different form, then like, like it was suggested that you just put it out there the way we do, like, this is who we close with kind of thing. So the um, only difference there to deal, we'll figure this out. I agree. I agree. I'm not saying this is doomsday, but we'll figure this out. The only difference is the escrow can be negotiated on a form. If yeah, we're you don't deciding want to do a contract which form then, to use, yeah. how do you, yeah, yeah. the only way to negotiate that is to put it on a form. And what if that's the wrong form that they don't want to use, right? So I just don't think we need power play. Like, I don't want to spend two hours writing an offer, submit it, and then they'll be like, we don't take those forms. Like, I let's know. just be graceful with each other. Yeah. Let's like have a dialogue, like the old school days where you called people and you like ask questions. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, we have a comment from David Tangvold. Who's I believe, am I correct? He's with Soldera, right, Joe? He is, and he served on all the boards. Oh my gosh, yeah. And good old David Tangvold. Good this to, is good like to his see 38th that year or something. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He's a good friend of mine. He's he's watching the show. He said, I disagree. It is your association. PMAR is transparent on every penny. I can't speak to that. I don't know what where they put that. 
but great comment, David. Well, let's wrap up, guys. Joe, New York style, right? Bang out the last few on Amy's post, and I think we're done. Well, actually, they're just sort of ramblings. She's like, <laughs> hey, the, the brokers that hung it up in 2023, we get it. We understand. Good luck. And the those of us that are hanging in there, you know, God love us. You got it. Follow the course. And, you know, for the lenders, for hanging in there with us, we know we're working hard. They're working hard. Let's optimistically look forward and attack 2023. I think for those of us with the right attitude, with the market between the ears and not the market that you read externally, it will be another great year. So that's the rest of her posts and the end of my two cents. And the end of our podcast. Well, Dill, thank you so much. I love so much of what you you brought to the table here. I really, really do. You have such a great attitude. You have such a great story, a good energy about you. You're you're very sunshiny. Sunshiny. I don't even know if that's a word, but but it's something we we need on a day like today, right? A little so. a little dill in your pocket. That's what a lot of people like to say. A little, just a little dill. I would like to add one more thing, just one more thing that I think will give everyone just a little more grace in their heart. So right now we are in fragmented communication, meaning we text, we email, we Facebook, we do all these ways to talk to people without really talking to people. And so One thing I just want to remind everyone out there is like all the humans are on the other side of your communication. If you find yourself getting grisly, like you're in a text war, like pick up the phone and call them and just say like, is there anything going on in your life? Like, is there, is there something going on here? Do you just hate me? Like, what's the deal? Because you just never know what that other person is dealing with and getting to say it out loud to someone and then like letting it go, sometimes a transaction can go so much better. So a big theme of our our episode here has been really about moving us forward into 2023 and having a good attitude and showing up really fully. But I really wanted to remind us that our communication and how we like show up to it and just don't keep grizzling in the text, like pick up the phone and call and see what's going on because so much can be solved through that. I love it. Make sure you're not chatting with their AI. (laughs) It's not, their chat bot, you know, making you frustrated. Yeah. Okay. Well, this was a great show, everyone. Thank you so much, Dill, for joining us. And I think I think our, our listeners are going to get a lot out of this. And they're going to be, next time they see one of your signs or do a transaction with you, they're going to go, I know, Dill. You were the sunshine on that episode a little while ago. So thank you. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Portland Real Estate Podcast, Oregon and Washington's number one show for cutting edge real estate discussions. Also, I'd like to give a shout out to the members of Masters in Real Estate, a private and exclusive Facebook group and the number one source for all real estate topics. Thanks for being there, gang. I love you. Finally, I want to thank our faithful listeners. Without an audience, we're just two guys talking to each other. Make sure you hit the subscribe button so the new episodes automatically come to you. Make it great.